Hello, everybody. Welcome to Becoming Better, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better human being. I'm the host of this here show, Chris Bailey. This is episode 34, How to Read More Books. Hello. Hey. How are, how are you this uh, fine evening, mademoiselle? Evening? It's, it's, it's the day, I guess. It's a nice, cozy day, hence the new music at the Becoming Better household. This is what we call uh, the house in which we live. But it's kind of a... No, we don't. For, the, for reference, we don't call it that. We but definitely don't call it that. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> it's a, but it's a nice, cozy, kind of rainy day here. It's one of those days that alternates between periods of rain and being kind of dark and a little bit stormy. Um, And we're talking about books. You know, what a perfect set of weather conditions and some good music, honestly, to to chat about this kind of thing. Yeah. Perfect little cozy day. Yeah. You've read a lot in quarantine. In general? Oh, no, in quarantine. Yes. Yeah, I do tend to read a lot. And we'll talk about why I think this is later on. But... In general, like I don't really watch a lot of movies or TV, so your I, life is just reading books. That's all it you is do. a lot of yeah. reading books, and I've always been this way. It's just my relaxing time, hey. go to activity. But uh, yeah, I did. I checked Goodreads, and I've read thirty books in quarantine. Only twenty five of those are actually on Goodreads. Wow. The well, other, what are the other five? <laughs> the other five are. Like the cheesy romance novels that I sometimes wow. read, but I don't always want everybody to know that I read. Although I'm saying it here, so if any of my friends on Goodreads are, are listening to this, there are some books I leave out. Do you have any recommendations for one of these uh, nah, less than they're savory? Usually, they're usually pretty un, unmem- <laughs> unmemorable. Is that a word? Yes, sure. Unmemorable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it has slowed down a little bit in terms of like my reading pace, just because I'm a little busier now with yeah. research projects. Um, and when, you, when do you count the beginning of quarantine? What what date do you use for that? The day we got back from Saskatchewan. Oh yeah, when everything started to shut down. Yeah, we came home early because everything started to shut down and we didn't know what would happen. So I can't, I think March 15th was the day we came home and then everything was shutting down and yeah. we, did, we didn't leave the house again. So <laughs> yeah, that's we, in my head what I count. And we haven't left the Becoming Better household. We've, uh, well, we've we just been, re- well, yeah, we moved house at the beginning of, of things. But yeah, so we've been reading up a storm. I, I've been reading more journal articles lately than books, but I've read uh, 10 or 15 books since the beginning of quarantine. And, you know, we're, we're kind of finding ways to adapt, but, you know, this is definitely something that uh, people everywhere want to get better at doing. Yeah. I mean, I think I looked up some really fun, like interesting stats from Goodreads. So if you haven't heard of Goodreads, it's a social who, who media. Who has heard of Goodreads? I think a lot of people haven't heard of Goodreads. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I run into a lot of people who say they don't have accounts and have never heard of it. Huh. If you haven't heard of Goodreads, it is a social media platform, but it's all centered on books. So it, it basically you can have friends or not, you don't have to, or you can follow certain people's reviews. I don't really do that, but it basically is a really good way for you to track books that you want to read and books that you've read and what you liked. 
they can give recommendations. I don't tend to find that they're good recommendations, but because they're all kind of similar to what you've read, so you don't really branch yeah, out. Yeah, you too end much. up in a little bit of a bubble if you just follow their recommendations. But it, I love that you can track the books that you want to read so that you yeah. remember them. So normally, if I'm going through Goodreads, I'll add books that I want to read or had heard of in The Economist or whatever oh. people told me to read. Um, and then I'll look them up on Goodreads and then add them or request them at the library. It's a good way to keep track. But yeah, I did look up some stats and on Goodreads, the 4.6 million members they have as of whatever date this is, uh, September, 2020, they, the 4.6 million members have set a goal to read 270 million books. So it's wow. about 59 books each. And how does one person read 270 in million books in, in a, year? a year? So Obviously, this 59 books a year is a little bit of a selection. We oh, have a selection 59 problem. books a year. Yeah, 59 so books a the year The average good, Goodreads user doesn't intend on reading 700 or 270 million books. No, so the okay. 4.6 million members <laughs> want to read 270 million books, gotcha, gotcha. which is 59 books each, roughly. And obviously, we have a selection issue because all of these people on Goodreads are more likely to be avid readers than the general population. So don't freak out. If 59 books a year is a really intimidating number to you. That, is, be, that is intimidating. Oh, it, Who reads it totally 59 books intimidating. a year? Uh, I mean, sometimes I do. This yeah, year I, I probably won't. But um, it is an intimidating number. But lots of people set reading goals. I mean, so many of my, even people in my immediate friend group say they want to be able to read more or have time to read more. You have kind of a double selection bias, don't you? Because this is a subsection of the people who are on Goodreads who like books enough to sign up for a social <laughs> network about books. But then you have a subset of that, which are people that set goals on Goodreads for the number of books they want to read every year. So yeah, don't be dissuaded too much by that number. But regardless of where you're starting, maybe maybe you're one of these people that wants to read 59 books this year. Maybe you just want to up it to, to one a month, regardless of or your starting point. one a year. Point. One a year. Wow. That's a that's a, a word a day. Uh, whatever you want to up it to, uh, there's ways of doing it, which which we're going to chat about. I feel I feel you're more knowledgeable about this topic than I am because, by God, you've read thirty books in the last few months. I think I'm just really. I I guess I've kind of honed in how I can <laughs> squeeze in reading time when I'm balancing research and reading journal articles. And I still prioritize reading journal articles over reading books just because that's a bigger part of my work. But mm. reading books for me is such an outlet in terms of like a hobby that it's the one thing I make sure I have time to do for fun. So wow. um, yeah, I've really thought this through on how you can read more in a year without like sacrificing your personal life or your productivity or whatever. So we, we should mention before we dig into the tactics themselves that there's a couple of uh, related episodes here. Number Episode number 11, how to read a nonfiction book, which it's possible to get better at. And episode number 30, we also chat about our favorite productivity books. If you're looking to dig into something. So we read a lot, I guess, yeah, is what guess, you can I guess. take That's from that. That's what we can learn from this this week's episode. But teach me, Arden. Te- please, you, you know, you've you've read uh, double, triple the amount of books that I have over this time. Where where can we start if we want to dig deeper, learn more, and have kind of an escape? Honestly, right now uh, it's an anxious, stressful time. Books are a are, are one of the most incredible uh, escapes that you can turn to because you get this this meaningful experience. You, you activate your mind with with fiction. Where where can we where can I start? 
I think a good place to start is setting aside specific times to read. Hmm. So for me, this is kind of generalized into not just books, but also journal articles. So different days of the week, I'll read either academic research or I'll read like a physical book. Do you have a favorite journal article? Favorite journal article? Yeah. I mean, the 2001 Duflo paper on the impact of building schools in Indonesia comes to mind just because it's kind of a an iconic paper. It was also the paper I read in grad school that made me really want to go into development and, and randomized control trials. We don't need to talk about this wow. though. Uh, so yeah, that paper <laughs> would probably be the number one. I haven't read it in a while though, because I read it a long time ago, but moving on. So, so wow. <laughs> I think we learned a lot just now. She's a Nobel prize winning economist. Okay. So you, she, she deserves lots and lots of credit. Fair enough. Um, but that aside, Setting aside time to read the specific times of the day that you're going to read is is a good first step. I mean, it doesn't work for everybody, but becoming aware of how you're using your time is a, an important piece of this. So you can either keep a time log to figure out where in your day you could fit reading or would like to fit reading. That's a bit over rigorous, though. I mean, you can just think about how you want to structure your day. And if you want to maybe start the day with reading or end the day with reading or even build it around your work day. Like if you want to read for 30 minutes after work, that's a nice thing to do, especially now when there's not a physical separation between yeah. work and home for a lot of people, that could be a nice way to transition out of the work mindset. Yeah. And if there's no physical separation, reading is a good way to introduce a mental separation yeah. where, you know, your, your mind is kind of still on work as you're reading after work, but you're kind of gradually easing out of that working mindset and into into the home <laughs> mindset again. Yeah. So for me, I tend to read first thing in the morning when I yeah. wake up. It's kind of how I wake up and get out of bed. I'll sit and read for like 20 minutes, half an hour with a cup of tea. It's really lovely. Nice, I think yeah. I've talked about that in the podcast before, but that's usually my time that I dedicate every day to either reading a book or reading a journal article that I'm going through. Yeah, my, mine's usually right before bed or after the workday. I honestly find it to be uh, such a great way of transitioning from one to another um, and kind of entering into that mental environment. So mental environment, what about physical environment and reading? This is something that I personally... Uh, find it extraordinarily helpful when it comes to supporting that reading ritual, regardless of when you want it to be during the day. Uh, you know, creating the environmental conditions uh, within which you're able to read. Whatever's, co- you know, this is probably the coziest episode of the podcast that we've done, uh, but creating these kind of cozy conditions, not waiting for rain to fall, but uh, not having a, a phone or a tablet nearby to pull you out of that reading experience and as a tempting distraction when you're in a boring passage or something like that. I, I love throwing on, so there's a, a station on Apple Music called Simply Piano Radio. If you if you ask your uh, your Siri to play some Simply Piano Radio, I hope I didn't set off anybody's Siri just now. But you know, I make a nice cup of Kenyan black tea that you brought home from one of your trips, and uh, throw on the piano music and uh, lay down. Usually with uh, with a nice drink in hand. I will be a devil's advocate here, though, and say. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you don't need to overcomplicate this. People have this idyllic view of themselves reading with lavender-scented room around them and classical music playing in the background. But I mean, if your goal is to just read more, just read more. I mean, it doesn't. You don't have to have the exact right place and time. I mean, I just do it whenever I have time. So, for example, I have read more books waiting for buses than I can remember. So. 
just always having a book either in your purse, in your backpack, whatever you have on you, or even on your phone. So I use iBooks or whatever it's called. Apple Books Whatever, Apple Books, whatever that is. Um, I always have a few classics on on my phone ready to go when I have a couple of minutes. And just for the record, most of the classics are free. So the barrier Mm. to entry here is very low. (laughs) Uh, And if you have an Android, I'm sure there's an equivalent. I mean, all of the classic books are are free and they're open source, right? Google has a bookstore, yeah. Yeah, so these are all open domain. And so most of these books are free. You can read all of Jane Austen and all of Charles Dickens for absolutely zero money. And you have. And I've read a lot of them. So (laughs) these are really good books. And I mean, you can read all of this stuff for free, but I mean, libraries also have digital libraries. Almost every library has a Mm, digital library. So they'll use apps like Libby or Cloud Library or Overdrive. These are all examples. Check out your local library to figure out which app they use. But Online libraries are great, great resources, and you can always have books just ready to go that cost no money. So I'm a huge advocate of using libraries just because they make books and reading so accessible. Um, So check out your local library, but just read when you have time. I mean, if you're going to wait for the perfect setting, you won't read. So yeah. Read when you have some time, if you're waiting for your kids at school or whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. And this is something that you know, you find with productivity rituals in general, you know, everybody wants to know what the perfect daily routine is and, and what they should be doing the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. But at the same time, sometimes you just have to do the thing. You just have to pick up the book. You have to find these little pockets of time uh, that you can read. But it is possible also to get the time that you would spend reading from other things that you might find a bit less meaningful. So this is something that I keep coming back to. I I look at the books that have changed my life. There there are books that will totally change your worldview. There are books out there that might motivate you and lead you to drop 50 pounds and and keep them off for the rest of your life, Uh, become more productive than you've had, you know, find a spiritual connection. Books can can literally change your life. And and the right book is an incredible meaning, incredibly meaningful way uh, to spend a bit of time out of your day. And so this is something that we all can do. Uh, If you're looking for a bit more time to read every day, look at how meaningful the things that you spend your time on are. And maybe, you know, out of all the things you do over the course of the day, choose one that is the least meaningful to you. Uh, That could be checking Twitter, which is kind of depressing right now. (laughs) So so maybe take checking Twitter as a cue that you should pick up a book instead and kind of replace uh, the activity that you'd otherwise spend in that less meaningful way in a more meaningful way too. We've talked about this a lot. I mean, you can generalize this to pretty much any habit you want to take up. I mean, if you want to work out more, identify the things that you could get rid of in your schedule and replace them with working out. In this example, we're talking about reading. So the obvious trade-off in my head is watching TV and reading. These feel (laughs) like total substitutes in my head where you can just easily replace one with the other. In most settings, if you're watching TV, you can also be reading a book instead. So I know, for example, um, I recently took an inventory of how I've been spending my time during quarantine. Mm. So we've talked about the fact that I do log my time. And between that, um, like my time logs and just my billable hours and how I track my my research time as well, um, I noticed that I obviously read a lot less when I'm really busy with work or when I'm really focused on research. 
But I also tend to watch or read less when I'm watching more YouTube or TV. Mm. And I am definitely not one of those people that's always going to be up to date with whatever TV shows and movies are out because <laughs> I just don't watch a lot of this stuff. But You're not hip like that. No, but we recently started watching The West Wing. Yes, which one of the best shows so ever random Because yeah. we don't watch a lot of TV. Um, but we have started watching The West Wing. And I mean, this is an eight-year show and going through it kind of even slowly, like we're not going through it terribly quickly, but even going through it slowly, I'm finding that I'm watch, I'm reading a little bit less, even though be, just because we're watching more TV and it's yeah. crowding out that time. Eh, time. Time well spent though, you know? Yeah, I'm not regretting this. I just, my reading pace has gone down just because yeah. I'm feeling the fifth year pressure with my research right now. So <laughs> uh, that plus my work schedule has picked up. Plus we're watching a whole bunch of shows. Yeah. My, my reading progress is slowing compared to April. Whole, whole bunch of episodes of one show, which is uh, coincidentally one of the greatest shows ever created, The West Wing. Aaron Sorkin at his finest, but I, I think something kind of tangentially related to that is this idea that we don't have time for reading. And so th- this excuse, honestly, it's not a reason to not read. It's an excuse. Uh, you, you know, you often people, you often hear people say, oh, I don't have time to read. I just can't find the time of the day to read, to work out, to do anything else that somebody might find aversive. You hear this all, all the time for working out. By God, though, Barack Obama, when he was president, had time to work out every single morning. You have no excuses not to read, not to work out. You just spend it on other things. So do take that inventory, what you find meaningful. Uh, One other, it's kind of on the hackier side, how to read more books. Read shorter books. You know, this might feel like cheating. uh, It is cheating, a little bit. It is, but (laughs) but it also, like a short book I find, pairs really well with a long book. So I'm reading a a Neil Stevenson book right now called Cryptonomicon, uh, which is, it's an incredible book. It's incredibly vivid, detailed story. I think it's uh, over a thousand pages long, but having a short book or two or three or 10 uh, to read while I'm kind of digging into that is I'm finding it really helpful and it kind of moves me along and says, oh, I'm making progress here, even though I can't really uh, see my progress in Cryptonomicon. It's a good time. It's a good book, but it's nice to see progress too. Yeah. I mean, I laughed at this because it feels like cheating, because it kind of is cheating when you're saying, I want to read more books, so I'll just read shorter books, which you're kind of missing the point. But that said, if you're not an avid reader and you're not a regular reader, feeling progress happen quickly, watching the percentage on your Kindle go up really quickly, or feeling like you've read a book very quickly can be really rewarding. So if that's what it takes to get you excited and engaged with reading, do it. I don't, it doesn't matter. Like do what do you do you. But it does feel a little bit hacky. So <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, but at the same time, you can read multiple books, right? So this is something I do all the time. Like I always have about three or four books going at the same time. Usually one or two fiction, one or two nonfiction. Sometimes it ends up all nonfiction. Um, it really depends on the day. Right now, I actually looked on Goodreads, and I think I have six books on the go. Oh, but this wow. is just because. I got a little carried away at the beginning of quarantine with library reserves and all of them came in at once. And now I'm swimming in just library books. The problem here though, is that I no longer have as much time. So while I'm technically reading six books, I think I'm like five pages into all of them. So (laughs) not making great progress. Um, But I think you can think of this kind of the same way as diversifying investments. I mean, if you're reading three or four books at the same time, it's very likely that at least one of them is going to be something you enjoy. 
even if you still want to read the other three, there's still something rewarding in, in at the same time happening because yeah. the other book is really good. And, and something worth mentioning is stop the books you're not enjoying. This, this is this is what, out of all the things on the list, this is the piece of advice that I find the most challenging uh, to take myself. But uh, honestly, there are some books that I just do not like uh, reading. They're, they're not well-written. They're not uh, connecting with me in some way. They might be a renowned book that I want to have read that I just don't like. And stopping those books actually helps me read a lot more. You know, life's just too short. And you enjoy your reading time that much more and it becomes uh, that much more uh, naturally motivating. And you know, on, on that topic of how many books people read at one time, uh, a long while back, I, I put a Twitter poll out there to ask people how many books they read at once. So the options were zero, one, two, and three plus. 5.3% of people read zero books at once, which uh, I don't know why they're following an author on Twitter if they, if they read 5%. Yeah, you do other stuff. Yeah, I guess I do other things too. Uh, most people just read one book at a time, 35.1%. Uh, 34.2% read two books at a time. And 25.4% read three plus. I'd be honestly kind of curious to see the numbers passed three plus, but there weren't enough options in the poll that I could, that I could put in. But, um, you, you know, if you're one of the that, that majority that reads um, one book at a time, consider adding one more, even if it's a fiction and a nonfiction, uh, to your repertoire if you haven't tried it yet. It's easier than you might think, especially when it comes to nonfiction books, I find, uh, to read more than one at a time because you're just collecting ideas. And it doesn't matter where the ideas come from. After they're in your head, it doesn't matter what book you're in because you're just collecting more ideas and connecting that to what you already know. Yeah, exactly. So another one, read better books. <laughs> so, you know, book recommendations, if you're, if you're into that literary world, if you're into just that book world, they fly in from every different direction. And, and sometimes we just kind of blindly accept them. A, a friend uh, tells us to read something, so we order it on Amazon, and then we start reading it. Um, we don't spend enough time filtering out the great books from the not great ones. And this is why so many of us have a bias to read new books, the ones that just come out. Um, and, you know, there's there have been a lot of books written throughout history, <laughs> great, greater than any one that, that might be published today. And so don't be afraid to look at this back catalog of books, look at the classics, the great uh, business books, productivity yeah. books, nonfiction books. I mean, think of it this way. If these books have lasted 200 years, that probably means they're worth reading if they've, if they've lasted all of this time and are still available and in print and popular. So there's a reason that things last that long. It's a survival bias, right? Yeah. Um, but just could be a devil's advocate here. Yeah. Be open to books that don't have five-star ratings on Goodreads. Mm -hmm. I mean, lots of really popular books every year have really high ratings, but you may not always love them. For example, the Alice Network came out a couple of years ago. And it has an insanely good rating on Goodreads, and I really, really didn't like this book. So mm. just because something has a good review on Goodreads doesn't mean it's going to be a great book. At the same time, something that doesn't have a great review on Goodreads or average rating, and this is just Goodreads. I mean, if you take references from friends, this is the same thing applies. But I mean, The Dinner by Herman Koch is a good example. I may have mispronounced that last name. I'm really sorry if I did. But, sorry, Herman. Yeah. The Dinner um, is a, it has an, a, like an average 
to low rating on Goodreads, but it's actually one of the best books I read last year. Mm. It was referred to me by a friend who absolutely loves it. What's that called? The Dinner. The Dinner. By Herman K-O-C-H. And it's really, really good. So it, it was just a total page turner, couldn't put it down. So, I mean, be open to reviews or ratings that maybe aren't exactly what you would go to as a five-star book. And little trick, look at the distribution. If you use Goodreads, look at how widely the distribution of ratings changed. I mean, if they're all average four-star books, yeah, it might just be a four-star book for you. But if there are a lot of five stars and a lot of one-star ratings, this can be really fun to read because it's very divisive. Mm. It can really get you thinking. So recently I picked up a book called The Book of Science and Antiquities, um, which is by the author who wrote Schindler's List. So, oh, wow. And it has pretty divisive ratings. They're either all one stars or all five stars. And I'm very excited to read this because it's got so much so much diversion in opinion, which yeah. I'm excited about. Yeah. So that can be a cool way to approach reading if you're looking for something more interesting. People, but yeah. yeah, people don't congregate around a mean. It's more... Uh, bifurcated. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That you know, we we've talked a lot about Goodreads on this episode, uh, which is owned by Amazon. We we should say so. That's worth mentioning. But there are other ways to socialize uh, reading at the same time. So Goodreads is one example. You can have friends on it. It's it's the best social network about books. It's also the only social network that I've been able to find that involves books. But book clubs are an incredible uh, way of of discovering new titles and and honestly stumbling upon books that you might not read otherwise, but also reading just with your partner, with friends, uh, with, um, with with other people in your life, uh, great strategy. Um, and, and mindset, I, I find, is a big thing with regard to books too. So especially nonfiction, um, you, you know, we so often enter into, um, you know, wanting to read a lot of books. I want to get through 59 books or whatever your target is in a certain year. But that mindset of completion might take you away from what you're actually reading. And, and so uh, personally, I found having this mindset of not prioritizing reading more books per se, but prioritizing uh, learning more and developing yourself when reading nonfiction books helps a ton. That's a great example. So we have a book club uh, that yeah. we started almost a year ago. And the books that are picked in the book club are not generally books that I would pick for myself, which is kind of cool. So recently we read a book about bugs, which was just (laughs) remarkably fascinating. And I think everybody at the book club went into it thinking, yeah, we'll see. It's a book about bugs. I think it's called Busting Bite. Yeah. Um, And everyone loved it. So it's just an example of how having other people to talk about books with you or getting referrals from different people in your life um, may just kind of orient you to things that you wouldn't otherwise have stumbled upon. And you'll learn something new. Yeah. Love it. All right. So one of the last couple of things... Reading in multiple formats. I think we've talked about reading physical versus audiobooks before in the podcast. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite format? Ooh, I think I think the physical book because that way, you know, kind of a tactic within a tactic. I, I like getting involved with the books I'm reading. So I, I find that so much easier to do with physical books. I can, I always have my pen, my highlighter in hand. I can, you know, mess up the margins. I can highlight things. Um, I can question what I'm reading as I'm reading it, write little question marks around, make little notes and read actively. So I, I think that's my favorite. Then eBooks, I would say, and then audiobooks, but audiobooks and eBooks are pretty much tied. Yeah, I think mine would pretty much be the same, except with audio. I think you have to be just really, I've been giving this a lot of thought because I used to listen to a ton of audiobooks, 
just kind of, especially because I used to walk to and from campus or to my office. And that was about a 20 minute walk. I don't have that walk anymore, obviously. (laughs) Um, But I've been really trying to be aware of how I like using audiobooks or how I like reading audiobooks. And I think the example, the answer is only when I can really, really focus on them. So otherwise I've, I've noticed, for example, my brother asked me about a whole bunch of books that were on my Goodreads and a few of them I had read as a audiobook. Oh. And I could remember almost nothing about them specifically, but I remembered like the broad idea, yeah. which is fine for books that are about like wellness or general well-being. I think for a lot of those books, getting the gist of it is is really important and they can be mm-hmm. kind of motivating for a, a short period of time. But if you really, really want to internalize it, make sure you can focus entirely on the book. Don't just have it on yeah. in the background while you're doing other things. Um, fiction, I also think is really good as an audiobook because you can really... Um, kind of imagine it as you're going. And I think that helps you internalize the audiobook a bit better. Yeah. So, but for me, fiction books, uh, sorry, not fiction books, physical books are my go-to. Love it. Yeah, the audio I find kind of connects with me on a deeper level almost, where I, I can feel myself compelled to act differently after, maybe more intuitive about certain subjects. But it's kind of you know a, a great way of capturing the flavor of an idea and immersing yourself in the idea rather than, you know, having that, that hyper-focus on it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's a good way of distinguishing, distinguishing it. Look at the time we're, we're running up on the, on the end of the show. So, wow. One more tip. Yeah. Surprise tip. It's not going to go over time. Maybe maybe a few seconds. Sorry guys. But this (laughs) last little tip. So every now and then I do this when I find it, like if I finish up a big project or I'm kind of wrapping stuff up and I have, a random, unusual open space in my calendar on a whole weekend day, I will sit down and read an entire book in one day. Whoa. And I think this is a really, really lovely way to spend a whole day. And I I really encourage people just trying to have a reading day. And every now and then I'll notice it's been a while since I had a reading day and I'll try to find a time in my calendar. So I have three deadlines that are due in the next two or three weeks. And on the days I, after I submit them, the Sunday after that, I've carved out a whole day to just read a whole book. I love that. A, re- yeah. a reading day. One reading day. And you have to read the same book. And you huh. sit down and you read the whole thing. Wow. So obviously it can't be a 600 book tome, but yeah. 600 page tome, but uh, a nice 300, 350 page book you can definitely do in a day. Love. What a, what a good tactic to end on. So uh, finishing, wow, we gave a lot of little tactics this so episode. So bizarre for such a seemingly simple thing. Just yeah. open book, read book. Open book, read book, learn book, do different life. Is that your caveman voice? I don't have a good caveman <laughs> voice. That's something I haven't developed. Oh boy. Just read books. Yeah. Yeah. Read books. Wow. It didn't have to be a half an hour thing. <laughs> Lesson learned. Yeah. So, you know, the thing about productivity advice or advice in general is you, you really do have to take what works for you and leave the rest. So that, that's, you know, I think we, we'd encourage you to do that. Don't do all this stuff. By God, you know, you <laughs> it would be so much to think about when you read a book. But, you know, do take a, a few of the uh, things from this buffet, this delicious buffet of advice today. You know, maybe set a bit of time aside for read. Uh, mind the environment in which you're reading. Uh, find some honestly meaningless activities that you just kind of spend mind, mindlessly time on and replace those with reading. You know, why do anything if you're not going to extract meaning or, or value from it, right? So, you know, read shorter books, maybe read a few at the same time and, and try a few of these things out. Get involved 
with what you're reading. I'm not going to read everything on our list because that would take another 10 minutes. So, man, all right, there's the music. It's playing us out. We've took so long that we've got music playing us out. Uh, so finishing up, becomingbettershow.com is where you can find the corresponding blog article for this episode. We hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Happy reading. Thank you.